0: I've always believed the foundation of our fulfillment in life doesn't come from our quote unquote success, but rather the strength of our relationships, not only with others, but also ourselves. And how we develop a deeper connection is through self reflection and purposeful conversations with those around us, especially like minded individuals. And that is exactly why I created the What Fulfills You card game to cultivate both more meaningful relationships with others as well as ourselves. On the journey of personal growth. I certainly use these questions as a guide for journal prompts and, of course, weekly check-ins with myself. And when I am playing this game with friends on a Friday night in, you bet I am enjoying it with a glass of wine or two, who knows. <laughs> Pre-order the card game now at whatfulfillsyou.com and enjoy an exclusive 10% off for listeners only with code What Fulfills You 10 at checkout. That's What Fulfills You 10 at checkout at WhatFulfillsYou.com. Enjoy! I'm Emily Elizabeth and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the What Fulfills You podcast, or as always, welcome if you're brand new to the show. On today's episode, I am chatting with Krista Berlincourt, who's the founder of Kensho Health, and I really, really enjoyed this conversation, not only because we talked all about holistic wellness and that kind of approach to our overall health, but also because she's extremely wise and she reminds me of kind of like that older sister for this podcast in that, you know, I know many of you are in your between like early to maybe like late-ish 20s and she definitely has a lot of experience under her belt from, of course, her career experience and then her own personal health journey as well as just other things in life. I kind of consider like you only know when you go through it and you mature over the years and so something i advocate for is always talking to people much older than me and kind of getting insight from them what they wish they knew when they were around my age or when they were in their 30s and that kind of thing and I encourage many of you to kind of think ahead as well. And she definitely gives a lot of advice on this episode that I consider very well-rounded. And so I, like I said, very happy to have been able to chat with her. So a little bit more about her. She spent the past decade driving social innovation through transformative technology for top tech companies like T-Mobile, Microsoft, Simple, and Acorns. She was named a top female founder to watch is an Aspen Institute fringe diplomat and founding member of the Forbes Council. As an internationally accredited coach and author, her work focuses on the things that make us human with exploration of the science of shame, emotion, and connection. Sticking close to her outdoorsy organ roots, Krista is an avid cyclist, naturalist, and outdoors woman. And then before we get into the episode, I want to share a quick piece of gratitude. So lately I've been feeling really grateful, not only of course for my time in New York so far, it's been truly such a great and smooth transition for me. It doesn't feel like... I had much of a transition, and I definitely think I will have a different and separate solo episode in the near future, just kind of updating you guys, for those of you who like for me to do more of a personal touch on that, on just like how life has been in New York, I only moved here end of August, um, but overall I'm really, really grateful that the transition has gone really smooth, and to be really frank, I, I kind of forget what it's like to live in Los Angeles um, <laughs> and drive my car and everything. Uh, but I will say I, I don't really miss it. But I, I LA will always have a special place in my heart for sure. Um, but another thing I'm really grateful for is just also the weather lately. And the weather has been so nice in New York City. It's been the lowest lately has been like maybe low or mid 50s. And then average... Sometimes this has been around like 60 degrees, which has been so perfect. So I feel like I'm kind of getting that not too cold, crisp fall weather and I'm just really grateful for that because I know winter can be harsh here, which I'm not too worried about either because I do kind of like winter, um, which kind of is weird to some people, I know, but I grew up on the East Coast and I was a former figure skater, so I definitely had to like the cold weather to some extent. So Um, Yeah, just wanted to put that gratitude out there and I hope you guys can find a moment today to just Think about what you're grateful for Maybe it's even about a person and if you are grateful for a specific person I always encourage you all to send that person a text because you never know when you're not going to be able to and um, That's something I definitely don't take for granted and I always try my best when someone comes to mind I just send them a text and Don't hesitate. So, yeah, I hope that is encouraging to you all. And with that being said, let's just dive into the conversation. Well, Krista, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to talk about your journey and especially we get to dive into health and all things holistic health, which I know my audience loves, but I always love to share the story of where everyone begins. So can you take us all the way back to the beginning from your childhood, where you're from, where you grew up, all of that good stuff?
1: Oh man, we're going to need longer than an hour. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I, well, I'm, it's interesting that we're doing that because I'm home now in Oregon. So I grew up in a little river town outside of Eugene, Oregon, which is uh, most famously known for the beginnings of Nike as Track Town USA. Um, and my parents are both entrepreneurs uh, in the outdoor space. My mom owns a bike store that's on the University of Oregon campus. And my dad led the National Ski Patrol and had a mountaineering company um a paddle sports company you name it um and then was also a construction builder and so that means two things um they worked their asses off and I went with them uh because I'm an only child so when you have two parents who are working a lot as is the case I think for those parents who are working from home now you know that you're just making it work with your kid um and so I really had a front row seat at the table of what it looked like to kind of do work that you loved and you were passionate about you know I, I really grew up in the back of a bike shop um you know there's the front of the house and then where my mom's fixing bikes and then there's the back of the house where my sleeping bag was um, and you learn to entertain yourself and you develop a curiosity um, so she you know hand me 20 dollars and say okay the world's your oyster go explore today and i'd go to the university bookstore and read books and um, go buy myself lunch and strike up conversations with the people who owned the restaurant and. It's very self-directed existence, I think, for a child. So I wasn't really a part of um, clubs or intramural things or team sports. I did that a little bit when I was younger. Um, But as I got older, I just spent more and more time kind of pursuing my own unique interests um, and had a reality that was very much connected to nature and the natural. My mom, you know, we grew food and um, my parents both existed Really, without a heavy reliance on the medical system, their their reality of health was very self-contained and self-sustained. So, what am I eating? What am I doing? How active am I? How am I sleeping? Um, what are my relationships like? You know, that was really the way that my family moderated their health, um, and it wasn't always done very well. You know, it's not doesn't mean that everybody's healthy all the time, but the orientation of when something's out of balance, it wasn't what pill do I need to take. It's like, oh, I think there's something I need to address within myself. Um, and then I went to college actually in the town where I grew up in Eugene, Oregon. So I think I, you could say maybe I was a late bloomer. Um, <laughs> I certainly had the ability, but was afraid. I think I was afraid a failure to launch, You know, afraid to make the leap. Um, I came from a small town. A lot of people stay in small towns because everything outside of them seems scary. <laughs> um, and then I really got the academic kick in the pants when I just realized I didn't want to be in a small town anymore. It started to feel like those pants that are too tight, you know, right after Thanksgiving. And you're like, oh God, um, I got to get out. I got to get out of these. And so I graduated early, um, have found a role in Deutsche Telekom as a crisis uh, reputation management specialist on the communications team. And that was my first job. And then that parlayed into a series of roles and technology companies um, at Microsoft, leading their kind of foray into the mobile, the mobile wave 2009. People were like, you can build an app and it's a company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just being young and hungry and at the right time at the right place. Um, and that led me to my last company, Simple, where we built the first digital bank in America and that was really focused on financial health and well-being. So how can you help people spend smarter and save more money? And that interest in human well-being and health is really what led me to this current company, Kensho Health, um, with the question of, you know, what is whole person health? And understanding that financial health is absolutely a huge contributor to that, um, but as are the other seven core contributors to whole person well-being.
0: Lately, I've been drinking Magic Mind almost every day before I start working for the day to help with getting into my flow state. Whether you are still in college or you work full-time like me, I know we all have those days where it feels extremely difficult to stay focused and on task. While I don't judge myself for lack of productivity, I do care about how effective I am with my time because time is precious, so why would I want to waste it? While I've been trying out Magic Mind over the past few weeks, I am genuinely shocked by not only how good it tastes, but also how well I stay focused. And if I'm being really honest, I do get distracted kind of easily. So a few key facts about Magic Mind. It is known to increase and improve productivity, especially for people like me. It has very little caffeine and it only comes from matcha tea. It's a great alternative for coffee if you drink coffee for energy and focus or if you're like me, you would drink it alongside because I personally love the ritual of making coffee and I just love the smell of espresso, so I just can't get rid of that. It helps fight off fatigue and brain fog as well as some ADD symptoms and the best of all, it is all natural ingredients including adoptogens, matcha, and nootropics. I highly recommend you give this a try if you're already considering it and even better you can enjoy 20 percent off your purchase with code fulfill20 at magicmind.co slash fulfill during checkout that's fulfill20 at magicmind.co slash fulfill enjoy mm, wow i'm already so excited to hear more about your story i i am curious i did make note of this was there a trend because I saw, you know, I did a little bit of LinkedIn stalking. You had a lot of experience leading up to Kentro Health. Was there a trend like looking back now that you could kind of um, reflect on that you feel like definitely contributed to the path and journey you're on now with your focus on holistic wellness and so forth?
1: It's funny. I I had to answer something for some an interview that was written. And so like any adult, I asked my mom and I was like, mom, what was that like as a kid? You know, <laughs> like, mom, what was my birth time? Um, mom. And I think there's two trends. There's your internal, you know, inclination. Like what are you inclined to do? What do you enjoy? Mm. Um, I really like people. I like helping them. I like healing them. I like supporting them. I like being there for them. So for me, anything in my career that allowed me to be in service to people um, crisis management, that's people, um, you know, those it's all around people and what we have to do. And that was one, but the next was, it was the appification of everything. So when I graduated, I know a lot of people say like, oh, it was at the middle of a recession and it was hard to get jobs. My experience was not that. So I was like, technology is on the rise. It is booming. And, you know, people at that time referred to Spotify as an app. They're like, yeah, Mm -hmm. that app company." And I thought, uh uh-uh, this is going to be, this is the new wave of a new platform. Um, This is kind of the future of the way that we interact with products and services and companies. Um, And I was lucky to join Deutsche Telekom when they launched the first smartphone, the T-Mobile sidekick, Mm -hmm. Um, which makes me sound super old. But I think that in any sort of, there's like the people say like the industrial revolution, the technological revolution, that was the mobile revolution. I think now we're moving away from mobile into a platform-based revolution where things are shifting. And we're seeing this as well in kind of decentralized services and um, on-demand economy, right? Where you can Mm. stitch a business together by pulling its pieces apart in a way where what you offer the consumer is better than the kind of the full buffet. Sometimes you don't want a buffet. You just want something a la carte. Right. So that's where we are today. I think.
0: Wow. Okay. So before we dive into Kendra health, I want to take the audience back into like really almost part of your big why as to why you even got so invested in your health and the, the approaches you had first. And I know um, I read into your background, there was, you know, you had your own story with your own health journey and while you were working in fintech in New York City. So could you dive into that? Like, um, you know, was there a... Was it part of overworking? Like what was going on during those years for you as you were, um, you know, embarking on your health journey with holistic wellness?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I'd say, especially for your audience, those who are listening are in their twenties, right? Mm -hmm. 20 year old high achieving women. Um, I was you, I know her, you know, it's. (laughs) we have all been there and that's, you have to earn your stripes as they say. But we celebrate working yourself to the ground. That's not to be celebrated. And you're rewarded, you know, socially, you're rewarded internally. Those extrinsic validation triggers, it's like a massive like button, you know, or someone's like, oh, you worked 16 hours today, like. Oh, you have three flights to see? <laughs> right. Like. And if you're coming from a small town, as I was, the idea of getting on a plane, I mean, I commuted back and forth to Bellevue, Washington from Portland. For Microsoft, like once or twice a week, that's just silly. And so, I really, you know, I thought about it more recently. I did that, and that was for T-Mobile and for Microsoft. And then, with Simple, I was commuting back and forth to New York, and then I was commuting all around the country. I was doing communications and marketing and business development, and then I fell in love with someone in Austin, and so then I was splitting time in Austin and Portland and New York, and then I was like, nah, I'm going to do more, and so I added building an NGO uh, that was bringing international diplomacy to the business sector, to developing regions. And then you're like, let's just fly to Myanmar, let's fly to Lebanon, let's fly. And you're just flying all the time. And so I think it's like, it's impossible to be grounded when you're always in the air Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: when you're working really hard. And so I was so wholly focused on business success because I never really had the breather. I graduated early my first step into adult life was into a career that was demanding. It wasn't, how do I want to feel? And who do I want my friends to be? And Mm -hmm. hang out. It was working 18 hours a day and it was fun. And I met great people. And I think that's a wonderful thing. I feel a lot of empathy for people who are early on in their careers right now. You know, I know that it's challenging. How do you network? How do you meet people on zoom? Mm -hmm. How do you develop that mentorship relationship? That's really challenging. Um, But for me, when it was simple, we sold the company when I was only 27. So when I joined, there were a handful of us. Um, I joined to lead marketing. And when I left, there were north of 400 people. And we were acquired by the eighth largest bank in the world for $120 million. Mm. And that's a lot in two and a half years. And then I stayed for the two and a half years after that for the integration into the big company. And so, if you think about kind of the multiples of where we started to where we ended, you know, it was 12 times, well, way, way more than 12. It was 450, 50 times greater, you know, it was, mm. yeah, it was about eight people to, to 470 or whatever. Yeah. It's a lot of people. So, it's a lot of growth. And you're trying to stay on pace with it. Um, your body just, you know, you have to develop really beautiful, consistent self-practice of what does it mean to take care of yourself? Um, and at that point in my life, I, I didn't know what those answers were.
0: Wow. Okay. Wow. So I I read here as well that your body started to shut down basically around 2015. When What was kind of that pivotal moment for you where you realized, okay, I need to prioritize my health. I need to really resolve this? Like, what was your approach to it initially? And I'm assuming maybe, hopefully not, you know, early an early assumption, but I'm assuming you kind of would approach what how most people would, right? It's like, okay, you, you see, there's a problem, and you're looking to solve it. And of course, too, as someone who is passionate about holistic wellness and health, you know, we talk a lot about focusing on like the mind body, you know, connection. And really, again, how can you approach it holistically? But what were you initially doing? Because I think that might resonate with some people today to who might not be as open minded to a holistic approach, or as open minded to not doing something as you know, taking a pill and be like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm done, I just got to take this, and I'll feel better, right. So, you know, where, how can we resonate that with the audience right now? Like, what were you doing at that time to maybe resolve it?
1: Yeah. I think, I think what I hear you saying is like, what advice would I give me then if I knew? What I knew <laughs> right. Kinda. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would have telling someone to meditate every day when they're in a state of exhaustion. Is pretty bad advice. Or at least if you're telling them to meditate for 20 minutes, I would yeah. say like start where you are. And above all else, just listen to your body and trust her because she mm-hmm. can't lie to you. You know, the cool thing about bodies in the physical system is they're not going to give you anything but correct data, right? Thoughts aren't always reality. Your mind can be a trap in the wrong direction, but your body doesn't lie. The body knows the score. And so if your body says, I'm tired, you're tired. And mm-hmm. if you're tired, give your body liquids, give it nourishment, say no to the flight, cancel the meeting, you know, Mm -hmm. vote in favor of your body. Um, I do that all the time today. It just, it just happened. I just moved a meeting from tomorrow with my investors to next Tuesday. Why? Because now I have to fly to LA. Well, I don't have time to feel good about doing both of those things without giving myself, you know, days that run into midnight and start at 5 AM. And if I'm doing that, then I'm not sleeping. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not exercising. I'm not taking care of myself. And if I don't take care of myself, then I can't take care of anyone else. And so I think the thing to remind yourself when you're in this place of feeling starting to feel not just tired, you know, here, but physically exhausted mm-hmm. is that that's telling you something. And it's not a bad thing. It just means that you need to ask yourself like you would a kid, you know, if there was, if you were taking care of a little kid, you would just say, what do you need? Right. Kids screaming, what do you want? Right. If the kid says, I want, I'm hungry. You'd be like, okay, we'll feed you. I'm tired. Okay, we'll take a nap. Mm -hmm. So to treat yourself more like a child who you love a Mm -hmm. lot and not question it. Because you wouldn't yell at a kid and tell them no if they said they were tired, right? right? But how often do we do that to ourselves? Where you're like, I'm so tired or I'm so, I, I forgot to eat today. You wouldn't do that with a child.
0: Right. How have you been able to, and I'm sure it's probably been like a progress over time, but how have you been able to, you know, in that example where you said you moved a meeting with your investors to a later date, right? I'm sure a lot of people, their concern would be disappointing very important people, such as investors in their company, for example, or in other people's case, likely a boss or someone very high up that they need to perform well for how have you been able to I guess overcome that fear or maybe it's not it wasn't a fear for you but maybe been able to communicate that well so that someone else can actually understand that because again unfortunately not everyone has that mentality yet of you know health matters and that you can't always put work first and so forth so how have you been able to adapt that communication I mean you
1: know When you get to a place where it's not working, you know, you have to do it differently. So again, like if if you're not working in yourself, if you don't feel well, how are you going to do anything else well, right? How am I, if if the only answer is to overwork yourself, it means that quality is really like only, we only have so much energy, right? Mm -hmm. And say you have depth and breadth, or you can say how fast you do it, how long it takes you. If you try to accelerate doing things, so you're going to do it faster and you're going to do more that's a very steep growth curve. You know, there's a point in which that's not sustainable. So if you want to do more stuff, then you're going to have to slow down a little bit. If you want to do, you know, it faster, then you'll have to do less stuff faster. Um, There's a matrix of sort of urgency importance that I remember an early mentor of mine, Adam Erlbacher, shout out to you, um, that he gave to me, which is like, you know, is it urgent? Like, do you need it done right now? Yes or no? And I, most people early on in my career, I mistook everything that was given to me for something that was urgent and needed to be done right now because someone asked mm. me to do it. Mm. And as women, like, my God, are we so subject to that fallacy, right? We're either apologizing for sending an email or for existing or for asking a question <laughs> in a meeting or, or just, or just for being present. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what. Um, and we say yes to everything. So it, Giving yourself the same permission to say, you know, when does this need to be done by? And does this really have to happen on Wednesday when you notice this internal stressor? So, I also went back to school for transformative coaching and psychology. Mm-hmm. Even, people often misplace this idea of anxiety as like, I'm anxious, I have anxiety. Maybe, but what are you anxious about? Right? Are you anxious about your relationship? Okay, let's let go of the judgment and say, Maybe your relationship, there's something there that's out of alignment. Maybe there's something that needs attention. If you're anxious about work, maybe that job isn't the job that you really want it to be. Mm.
0: You know, it's
1: less about energy of being anxious and more about what are you anxious about, right? What is that telling you? And so now the shift is when my body notices that there's what I like to call it acute awareness and anxiety, you know, something that's very aware of something, it's okay. Why am I anxious about that? Well, because I don't think that I have time to get it done well, given how everything has shifted, perhaps, or because there are too many competing priorities. Mm -hmm. Now my reality is, okay, what's actually more important? And that's really the number one job of a CEO is prioritization. And so you look at it and you're like, okay, we're just going to shift that around a bit um, and prioritize the priorities. I mean, imagine how much we would all feel If we just gave ourselves permission to reprioritize and to say Mm -hmm. no to things.
0: Mm -hmm. How did you shift from that previous mentality where you, when, you know, you had mentioned you felt like everything was urgent and you felt like you had to do everything that was given to you, you know, right away. How did you slowly shift out of that into, um, you know, I guess that acute awareness, like you talk about being aware of, you know, what feels aligned and what doesn't.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, we can go there. So I think the big thing is when you label yourself as having, as being anxious or being Mm -hmm. overworked, the two things that those labels have in common, you're the victim. You are anxious. You are overworked. Mm -hmm. Putting yourself in the control seat in your life, and your career and saying, okay, I'm really focused on this thing. If you want to take control of it, you simply snap back into and you say, I need to do something to take control. And a lot of that comes back to knowing your worth as a person and knowing that there's no reason that you should do things that make you feel terrible right that like. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make sense it's not congruent with no good leader should ask you that of you you shouldn't do something if your body is telling you that it's not right right. Mm -hmm. Like you wouldn't go on a date with someone if every time you went on a date with them, you feel kind of nauseous. And when they tried to give you a hug, you wanted to like throw throw up and run away. Yeah. You would say, this guy's probably not for me. Mm-hmm. Right. So in the same way, listen to your body and know that whatever it's telling you is right. Um, that is a big shift. And the shift is about trusting yourself and knowing your worth and believing that you have the right to voice that and it may mean that you still have a deadline that's really painful Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that you say that you don't uh actively question things from a solution-oriented perspective so you have two deadlines and it's like hey boss I have these two things just want to check in which one's more important to you Mm -hmm. like that can lead so much stress right it's very simple um or if it's within your realm based on you know how I don't know how senior your you know the folks are in their careers, but if it's your own management, then you're doing that on your own. Um, but you're making decisions, and it's never at the expense of making yourself feel terrible. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: I f- I feel like this sometimes, or I, I could see this happening though, where so, you know I agree, I'm in full agreement with that because I use that practice myself. Um, however. I would say perhaps there's also this level of self-discipline that um, certain people have where they're they're able to, you know, for example, let's say that balance or gray area between feeling your body feeling too tired to work out versus not feeling like getting out of bed to work out, right? Like how how would you say you would strike that balance between like looking at those two and seeing or understanding the difference. Right. Right. You know, that song, as you were saying that, I,
1: I heard this in my head um, <clears throat> the song that says like, my mind is telling me no, but my body is telling me yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's two different voices. It, there's two different voices. And so mm-hmm. when your brain's like, I don't want to, that's a very different voice about working out. than your body saying I cannot work out. Right. Okay. It's a different it's different inside of you. We all know the difference of, you know, you sprain your ankle, you're like, I can't run versus I don't want to. So can't and don't want to, that discipline of don't want to pushing through that to your point, that's where, you know, the magic happens, mm-hmm. but that's mm-hmm. not breaking yourself. That's right. noticing. So really having a a beautiful, committed, you know, trusting relationship with your mind yeah. is the answer because you notice like, Okay, you're just you don't want to, but we've gotta. And mm-hmm. where where are you bumping up against a boundary of health and well being that, that is on the other side of that is burnout, where you're like I can't do it anymore because my brain my brain is fried. I've done too much thinking. You know I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing too much. Um, what does balance look like for you? And I think for most people, I think you know it's. I would say that wellness as an industry is a symptom of us being unhealthy as a country. Um, it's a new thing. And it's the single largest growth sector in the world. Why is that? Well, because our healthcare doesn't work because mental health wasn't covered in the States until just a few years ago. And because most people are doing too much in order to feel healthy. So you as a person have to have kind of your internal checklist of what do I need in order to feel healthy? You know, what are your daily practices, your weekly rituals, Um, those are very feminine terminology. If you put it more gender neutral, it's like, what's your checklist and did you meet it or not? And if you didn't drink water, sleep, eat, you know, take rest, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: then you're probably not going to feel very good. Um, and truthfully as someone who now hires and manages, you know, has managed many, many people, I've never seen someone perform through burnout. So the best thing you can do if you're approaching burnout is to raise your hand and find time with your manager and say, Mm -hmm. I think I'm approaching burnout. I'm really tired. And, you know, I, I need, I want to talk to you about that Mm -hmm. because the other alternative is to suffer in silence and just try to keep pushing, 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 and then have your body, you know, the body will scream when we don't listen to its whispers. That's Mm. how, you know, people don't, people don't suddenly come down with diabetes. That's not how it works. It's a series of eating things that your body didn't really feel good about. You started to gain weight. You noticed inflammation and, 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 and then one day it evolves into, you know, whatever it is. Um, The case with my adrenal fatigue was I was pushing through my body saying, we need to sleep. We need to stop taking flights. I'm too tired. I can't do it. Mm. And me saying like, no, shut up, shut up, shut up got to keep going.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then you burn out.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that definitely is a great pivoting point too. I want to talk about Kensho and really, so would you say you're, I obviously too, you had, uh, you know, a lot of family background with, um, you know, your parents both having more of a approach holistically, would you say your passion kind of grew from that upbringing or was it more from The adrenal fatigue and kind of having that, I guess you could say, oh shit moment for yourself? I think it was,
1: that was certainly a personal, you know, um, a personal awareness, but it actually came from while I was at Simple after we were acquired. um, I was given budget to really look at, I had a question around. How do you sell a bank account to people if no one wants to talk about banking, because no one wants to talk about money, especially people who don't want to talk about money, who don't have money, they don't want to talk about money the most, right? People who are bad at spending, they don't want to talk about it at all, because they would much rather be avoidant for a very long time. And then I thought, okay, that's interesting. So then I started a study that was on the psychology of shame. And what is the underpinning of why do we perpetuate these negative behaviors where, for instance. You notice that you're gaining weight because you notice you're gaining weight. You just put on pants that are stretchier and then you notice you're getting weight and you just don't get on the scale again because you really don't want to know what's happening. And so you just, you turn the other way. And then the more that you notice it, the more that you're completely avoidant until you're in a position where, you know, you realize you've gained 25 pounds. It didn't happen. Like that can't happen overnight. It's not physically Mm -hmm. possible, but there's something you're doing consistently that's leading you towards an outcome that's other than what you want, right? That's not your your version of health. Um, And so I became really interested in that. And in that study of what is holistic well being and really looking at money, that was where I discovered the rest of the cycle of positive behavior change and the rest of the cycle of really how we can heal anything. And that my relationship with money isn't about money, it's about my relationship with self-worth. And value and knowing my worth. And for women, it's about asking for what you're worth. And like it's it's all entangled. And I thought, this is really interesting. So when I left simple, I certainly had my own health to work on, but it was really more on throughout my journey, I had worked with a naturopath who had introduced me to this concept of whole person health, right? So there's eight contributors to whole person health: your financial well-being, your familial well-being love and relationships, um, your social, right. So your, your community, um, your environment, you know, we've all lived in an apartment where you're like, this is just not it. Mm-hmm, sis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then your career, right. And your physical health and your mental health and lo and behold, that's eight things. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I did that whole person health balance wheel and you fill it out, generally speaking, using a scale of one to 10 really quickly. Um, it can be a tool for anyone who's trying to approach whole person health and you feel off, but you don't really know what's off. This thing gives you instant insights. And I sat there with my naturopath and she said, okay, fill this chart out. And I filled it out. And I noticed that the only things that I was really focused on were my romantic relationship and my work.
0: Mm-hmm. i was like, huh,
1: like my friendships were in the toilet because I was working a lot or I was with my partner. I wasn't seeing my family at all. Um, I wasn't doing anything to further my, my education or, you know, my, my pursuit of knowledge. Mm. Um, My physical health was a mess clearly. And my mental health was also draining because I wasn't happy with my physical health and everything else. Mm. And so it provides this very quick snapshot of this isn't working. And when you think about health, it's not about your biomarkers, it's not about your cholesterol level, it's not actually about like your blood pressure. Those are a few very basic health markers, but we all know a lot of people who are healthy, but miserable, right? Or who are healthy and feeling stuck in their careers. And that will create a feeling of drain, fatigue, burnout, et cetera. And so I became really interested in what would it look like to create a healthcare system that actually evaluated, supported, and created a connected care model for whole person health, um, and that was how I ended up at Kensho, or creating Kensho, mm-hmm. was to solve for something that didn't yet exist.
0: Right, which I am, for layman's terms, obsessed with because you know over the past few years myself, it's that's when I really became aware and very intrigued by um, you know whole person health and just holistic wellness. Right, I think there's a lot, a lot. Um, you know, about it that's not talked about. And I'm curious if you have thoughts on this. You know, I think there's a misconception about this approach, right? Anything non-conventional is relatively woo-woo, right? Or something that's just just not in the norm yet. I think we, we, we both know that. But do you have any theories or thoughts as to why people assume that? And maybe, um, you know, maybe, in fact, if you could name certain uh, facts or knowledge that women especially are unaware about holistic health and how that can be impacting their everyday life.
1: I mean, I could go on and on forever there. I am curious, though, what do you think? What, I mean, with hosting the podcast that you do and being enmeshed in this community, when you look at the barriers, what do you think is is to blame there?
0: I believe it, I kind of think it kind of comes down to this psychological effect of If it's not the norm, then it's harder for people to step out of their comfort zone and believe it and or try it. Now, that's why for me, it's not hard to look into it because I have never done anything very conventional in my life. You know, I was a figure skater for 15 years and was a tennis player. And so I always did things, I guess you could say very independently, kind of sounds similar to you and your upbringing. And so I was very accustomed to... Thinking for myself, if you will, and so I notice a lot of this audience. A lot of them love anytime I talk about holistic wellness or have a guest on who talks about it, because it seems like they don't have a community to chat about with it too. It's almost like a friend group of six, at most. One of them is working on you know certain similar approaches, or maybe only one of them is interested in it, but the rest could kind of care less and we will go with the flow and what the norm is. But you know, I think that's why I emphasize on talking about it because there's a lot of unknowns and people go, oh, Emily, you know, how do you go from LA to New York and live this life and do this? And you seem so healthy and happy and all that. And I'm like, it's actually truly not a facade though. It's because I did do a lot of deep work and understanding of, okay, my physical, mental, emotional health, my relationships. And that's why this podcast is called What Fulfills You, because there is a holistic approach to it. Um, But, you know, yeah, that's my thoughts.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I think- <clears throat> again, understanding whole person health is those eight factors, right? So you can have a doctor who's a great doctor and you can go in and say, I don't feel good. And they can do a workup and you can get data that says you're fine and you can know you're not fine, right? It's you're measuring the wrong thing. So I think that one of the challenges there is that our definition of healthcare in America is is factually wrong, what we call health. Um, health as a term is know the state or pursuit of of well-being, right? So if you are alive, then you have health to manage. So long as you're alive, right? It's just a marker of your longevity, how long will you live and your vitality while doing so? How alive will you feel? You get this long and you're going to feel you're going to get to ride this high, you know, to your point, like, how do you get to live this life? Mm-hmm. You're like, well, because I'm optimizing for my longevity. And I'm really, really driving towards that vitality. I want to do things that make me feel alive. And in order to optimize for that, you have to listen to your body because your body knows when you're doing something that drains you, when you're in a relationship that drains you, when you feel exhausted, mm-hmm. it's different than being undisciplined. And I don't want to, but noticing where you're really energy is being taken from you. Um, to this end, why don't more people have this perspective?
0: hmm
1: America's a very young country, you know, the Wright brothers flew the first plane in 1903. If you're being generous, uh, America's 400 years old. You know, that's, that's generous, depends on how you're looking at founding. I think 300 is more realistic. So it's a young baby country when you compare that to the whole of Europe, um, to Asia, to South America, we're just a new country and because of that, we are getting used to our way of doing things. We're already finding that there's a lot of failure in our healthcare system, right? In the last eight years, there's been the introduction of Obamacare. Um, We'll call that socialized healthcare support, healthcare reform, um, a healthcare system that works for people. The healthcare system in America was designed for the way that Healthcare wants people to work, not the way that people actually work, which is this more holistic definition of healthcare. Mm -hmm. When you look at Europe, 60% of healthcare spent, monetarily dollars, is actually towards complementary and alternative medicine, 60%, because it's a social system. And so people, the country, its best interests are in helping people spend less money because when you spend money, it's actually the government spending it on your behalf. And in America, the truth is that the medical system is a capitalistic structure. So the more money you spend, the more money someone else earns. Mm -hmm. And until you kind of shift that and disincentivize, you you have these inverse linear incentives where if you keep me sick, you know, we say, okay, Emily's sick. Well, we can either heal her and then she'll spend no money Mm -hmm. or we can just write her a prescription that's going to mask the symptom and she'll become chemically dependent on the symptom and label herself as having anxiety, ADHD, depression, versus Mm -hmm. inviting her to say, well, Emily, what do we think is at the root of your depression? What do we think is at the root of your anxiety? Is it perhaps that you have a hormonal imbalance that your body isn't digesting your food properly? And so you have leaky gut syndrome, that you have nutrition challenges that you just need more vitamin D. And so the thing that exists across holistic medicine and functional medicine is root cause oriented healing, where you say, okay, there's a symptom. You have a rash on your face. Fine. Mm-hmm. Why do you have a rash? Not what prescription do you need to make the rash go away? Yeah. It's really saying like what's happening inside your body. Cause your body's smart and it can't lie to you. What is it trying to tell you and how do we support you with an approach to medicine that's going to get to the root cause and then heal it rather than just masking it with pills, prescriptions and procedures. Um, So the short answer of that is what's wrong is capitalism, access to research. Um, My company also, we have a unique partnership with the world's largest and oldest scientific publisher to make more of that research available. It's out there, but pharmaceutical companies have much larger budgets to make their research more widely known. So, Mm. It's a, you know, a capitalistic system, access to research. And then we're a tiny new country, you know, Mm -hmm. or we're a very large country, but we're very
0: young and, and we're still finding
1: our way as
0: a system. I'm curious if, do you have any, you know, everyday habits that you would recommend for people, especially women to start to implement into their everyday life, especially if they're kind of new to, you know, again, more of like a holistic wellness approach.
1: Yeah. I mean, habits. So basics, right? When are you going to bed? Do you have a bedtime? Mm-hmm. Most people, when they're burning out, they do, but they don't abide by it, right? It's like my bedtime's 10, but I usually go to bed by 12. Okay. Well, then you're breaking your own rule. That's kind of, that's, that's the start of a slippery slope because the next mm-hmm. day really starts with the end of the previous day, right? which, you know, again, from kids, uh, I don't, you know, I don't, your, your readers or your, your audience is a little bit young, might be younger for children, but if you talk to a new parent, they'll be like the number one thing for a kid is their sleep schedule. And so new Mm -hmm. parents, your life is ruled by your kid's sleep schedule because you have to get them down at the same time every day. Why? Because it's training your circadian rhythm. It's training your natural sleeping and wake cycles, which is actually training your hormone levels. Crazy. Mm -hmm. So There's your body's sort of um, the nourishing phase of the day. And then there's the rest phase and excrement where it's getting rid of things. Right. And so when are you going to bed? When do you stop eating? Stop eating at eight o'clock. Just stop eating at eight o'clock. Right. Why? Because then when you get up in the morning, you're giving your body a fresh start and it's had time to actually digest everything and be clean and be empty. Um, When you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you reach for? What's the first thing you reach for in the morning? Is it your phone?
0: Is that, is that a question for me? Yeah, is or it? I... Be honest. It depends, like if it's if it's because my alarm went off, yes. But if not, it's, it's actually a bottle of water next to my bed. <laughs>
1: Great, I love that answer. And it, here's the cool thing. You can buy an alarm for $11 on Amazon that's not your phone. And you know what that mm-hmm. does? That makes your phone just a brick that's plugged in the kitchen. Why? Because Mm -hmm. you don't need it in your bedroom. You don't want to have it in your bedroom. That's you removing a boundary. Yourself is just in front of you. My my dad actually says, to your point around parentage, um, I grew up spending half of my time in the backcountry, which means places that don't have cell signal electricity or humans. And Mm -hmm. I told my dad I was going backpacking over 4th of July with some girlfriends and I was so excited to take them into the backcountry. And he said, yeah, go focus on whatever's in front of your face and nothing else. So the moment you pick up your phone, you're no longer inside yourself, you're outside yourself, right? You're focusing on the screen rather than your internal internal place of being. Number one, go to bed on time. Stop eating, wake up, drink some water. Why? Because it will hydrate yourself because your stomach is empty and you can hydrate your system before you start eating. What next? Mm -hmm. Be with yourself. I'm not going to be prescriptive on what that looks like. Maybe you take a walk. Maybe you meditate. I like to journal. It's a good way for me to process what's inside out, and just be Mm -hmm. with yourself. Don't don't consume. Don't add layers. Give yourself time to just be before your day belongs to anyone else. And then you know what nutrition looks like for you is up to you. Some people thrive on a bigger breakfast. Some people live on the intermittent fasting way of being. Others Mm -hmm. swear by smoothies and protein shakes but you know what works for you. And if you feel like what works for you doesn't work for you, that's why Kencho is here, is to help pair you with a health coach who can help you find what works for you based on nutrition mm-hmm. testing and health coaching and then connecting you to more specialized holistic care. So, but sleep, space, and you know, don't reach for the phone first. And notice throughout mm-hmm. the day, when, when you're bored, when you have time and space alone, when when you're not doing anything, how often do you reach for your phone? You know, like, are you comfortable just being in the nothingness? Or do you reflexively reach open Instagram, open Facebook, send an email? Do you busy yourself all the time? Because when we get really busy, then we're really comfortable. We're most comfortable in that state of busyness. So to your point around burnout, and it's when we go disconnect for a week or two and we realize you've just been like sitting on a beach doing nothing for a week. And you're like, huh, I feel so good. I wonder why that is. It's because you're giving yourself
0: space, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. What about mindset? Um, earlier we talked about, you know, when we when we are in, let's say something that it's misalignment, a bad relationship, things that are like the root cause of making us feel anxious. Do you have any small tips as to how someone, again, who's someone maybe in the beginner stage of like, okay, recognizing, ooh, that is actually the root cause of what's making me feel anxious, you know, as they're listening to this, you know, anything that you would share on mindset or reminders or affirmations or thoughts that we can tell ourselves or reframe in our mind to Remove ourselves from these root causes that are misalignment and essentially causing us to feel anxious.
1: You know, I have a a girlfriend who has a tattoo just under her breast of all places. And I'm always like, God, that must have hurt so badly. But it says, Know your worth. (laughs) And I do think that is a big one because knowing your worth, we are all oftentimes women specifically are so good at taking care of other people right we're good at we we're, we're nurturers often and if you had a kid who was tired you would put them to bed without question you'd be like okay we're going to bed we got this like you're fussy you're angry i'll put you to bed and so in the same way with mindset it's just like no you're worth like no know, know that whatever your your body is asking for you have the right to ask for it and mm-hmm. There's no one, you know, the one you've been waiting for, like, who's going to come fix that for you, right? Your relationship sucks. Your job sucks. You hate your body. You wish it was different, firmer, leaner, stronger. You wish something was different. Who's going to fix it for you? Realistically, like who's going to change it? So either your relationship with that thing needs to be improved, which is a good way to start, right? With the body, love the body you have, but then it's also to listen to what it's telling you about what needs to change. So it's loving the body you have in the moment and then also working towards a goal of improved fitness, if that's what your body's asking for, right? It's saying, I want to be stronger if that's what you're noticing, if you're comparing yourself to other people, if you're feeling that same you know, comparison or unease and work where someone around you is getting promoted and you hate the girl two deaths over because she always gets called on in meetings and She's not even as good at her job as you are. And I mean, everyone has been there, right? But Mm -hmm. there's a path of resentment. This is a juicy one. I actually, my co-founder and I, you know, we're lucky to have an exceptional executive coach who's just aces at what she does. And when you notice resentment, there's always kind of this joke of like, well, what's the recipe to get to resentment? And she makes us do this. And, and it's always like, I stopped listening to myself, right? It's like, well, I feel overworked and I'm tired and he's not doing this and da, 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 da. And it's like, well, how did you get there? Well, I didn't say no to something and I didn't ask for what I needed and I didn't have a boundary and I didn't enforce the boundary. And now I'm mad at everyone else for me not having the boundary, right? That's, it's every single person ever. And the same is true with your mindset. So owning, like the big thing is you're in control of you you've got you like you have got your back. You can fix it. You got you here and you can get you out of it. And the more Mm -hmm. that you notice that you is pissed off about something and the longer that you don't do something about it, it's kind of like giving yourself a big middle finger, which is Mm -hmm. really a hard way to build a trusted friendship. Um, I wouldn't be friends with that person. Right. So you're like Mm -hmm. the mindset shift is looking at it and saying, huh, I noticed this thing is, I'm just not happy with it. Don't even have to to label what the emotion is. Might even be happy. It's not as I wish it was. Okay, what do you wanna do to shift it? And so if you had a coach, something they would ask you is, well, what's one big thing you could do to move it forward, to shift it? And so it might be, I'm gonna talk to a friend about it. I'm going to talk to my boss about it. I'm gonna talk to someone about it. I'm going to get really clear in myself about what it is that's out of alignment first. And then have that conversation. Um, and then the other thing is really noticing again, the alignment thing is what's unsaid. So, your unsaids, you know, it's those little nudges that poke at you and they create this feeling of like, oh, I'm not settled. I feel upset. I feel frustrated. I feel uneasy. I feel anxious. And behind every single one of those is something that you just haven't said, right? It's something you haven't asked for something you haven't said something you haven't voiced out loud to yourself um Mm. it happens in business you know people talk about fundraising and isn't it hard (laughs) of course it's hard but what's even harder is saying yes to investors that you don't like or trust because now they own the company that you're running and that's a bummer so notice that tension the unsaid admit it to yourself most of the unsaids are internal and the ones that are unsaid to someone else Just find time to voice it. Mm. It sounds so simple because it is, it's really scary, but it's super simple and you completely liberate yourself and put yourself in the control and the driver's seat of your entire life.
0: Mm. Wow. I love that. I definitely just, uh, definitely took some notes on that right there. (laughs) Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's great advice to really end on. And I just have a few final questions that are more lightning round, more on kind of personal life advice type of questions. Um, first one being is happiness a choice?
1: Yeah, it is for sure. Allow yourself to be happy with what is, you know, stoic philosophers teach us that behind all challenges and sorrows on the other side of that is a choice to observe what is and detach yourself from living inside of it to not feel the swirl of this is happening my my parent is ill my my money is gone and to look at that and say this is a challenge but my inner world is in a state of happiness um i believe benjamin franklin said you know it is our choice to be happy and it is Mm. sure yeah.
0: Do you practice Stoicism?
1: I do. I do, and more and more yeah. in the last few years. My uh, my co-founder, that was actually something that brought us together. It was really Buddhist philosophy, which Stoicism is certainly different, but associate uh, it, they're they're parallel. They're they're hanging out in the same pool, and um, he is very much into Stoic philosophy, and mm-hmm. and we both practice a more Buddhist state of being.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. It's um, stoicism is something I also talk a lot about on the show. And so my listeners know that um, I'm an avid reader of Ryan Holiday's books and um, the daily stoic is something I read every day. So when you mentioned stoic philosophers said, "Oh, that's <laughs> um, another one. Do we have more control over our fate or is there a universal fate decided already?
1: Well, none of us know our true fate until we die, do we? So, Mm -hmm. you know, your ultimate faith, your ultimate fate isn't, you can't see it until the end. If we imagine a lifeline as from where you're born until you go into the grave, right? That would be Mm -hmm. your ultimate fate. I think we have control in how we get there, how much fun we have doing it. We're all going to end up in the same place. There's none of us are getting out of this alive. So all of us are born and all of us die. The thing we do have control over is how much joy we find and how much fulfillment along the way by listening to that internal compass, trusting ourselves, mm-hmm. voicing the unsaids, and taking a more stoic approach to life, so that we enjoy, you know, we can find happiness even in the challenging times. Where I think, and and when we put ourselves in the driver's seat of life, we for sure have command over our decisions. You know, you can get out of any mm-hmm. negative situation by just. Pulling the ripcord.
0: Hmm. I I like how you said that. You we can control the joy we feel along the way. That's a really good way to frame it.
1: Every decision is that's a choice. And that choice is control. So absolutely have control over yourself. I think fate is a, again, like you don't know your fate until you die. And that could that's, you know, that might be 70 years from now, 80 years from now. So. We have no idea what the world has in store between now and then, but we do have control of the moment. I think the fate piece is that would be the opposite of a Buddhist philosophy, which would encourage you to be here in this moment. You do have control over that. And what happens next? You don't know. So quit worrying about it um, and be here now because you can totally shift that.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. One piece of advice you would share to your younger self when you were in your 20s relating to personal life and relationships.
1: It would be a combination. It would be trusting my body again. So if my body is, if it just, if I feel anxious, if I feel depleted, if I feel drained, if I feel like I'm swirling, you know, we all, I have had so many of these girlfriends. I've been this girlfriend myself. Like, I don't know, does he like me? Does he not like me? I think he likes me. It doesn't have to be that hard if you are in this place and you were listening to this and you don't know if he likes you, that is because he does not. And that is not because you are not incredible. You are probably phenomenal. But it's just like when you go to the grocery store and there are 22 aisles and 57 different kinds of fruit. Everybody has the piece of fruit they're going to go for first, just because I specifically only like Asian pears. And that's my one weird fruit preference doesn't mean that Emily who likes bananas is wrong. It just means that we want different things. So really go where you want to go, right? Go where you're wanted, not where you want. Like go where you, go where you feel safe, go where you feel secure, go where you know there's, just like friendships, go where you don't feel this swirl. And that swirl is in your head, it's in your body. People get stressed, they get freaked out, they, you know, they shut down. Um, relationships should, they bring challenge and growth for sure. Um, my relationship with my co-founder has taught me more about what I need in a romantic partner. We are not romantic in any way, but about what a real partnership looks like, where we hit so many challenges. Oh my goodness. But every one, we come out stronger on the other side, and there's never a fear of he's going to leave me. Um, if that is a fear in your relationship, there is a deeper underlying issue, which is you don't feel secure in your relationship which is well why are you in it um it should feel safe it should feel secure i see you smiling and nodding you're like you've been there See how i i mean i think back to all of my girlfriends in my 20s i'm like i think every single one of us at some point we sat on the couch and either one of us said or heard the other one saying like i just don't know why he isn't showing up this way It's like because he doesn't want to like we do things we want to do He's just
0: not in it. Mm -hmm. Or she, depending on your gender preference. (laughs) Same thing for both sides. Right. And I I always love asking these types of questions, especially to people who have experienced more in life and for my audience to hear that because I'm an advocate for learning from those who've been through it. And so I love when people reiterate lessons that I have learned myself or have seen or heard from other people. And for you to reiterate that in that way is (laughs) really great. (laughs) Um, one, one final question, something I ask everyone, and I'm certainly excited to hear your answer on this one. Um, but ultimately out of everything we talked about, what would you say ultimately fulfills you in life?
1: Human connection, like people, I love people. I love learning more about them. I love helping them. Um, if I have a day, I, I very much need time to myself. I need solitude to reset, but if I have a day where I'm not in connection with someone, then, you know, it's a day that it has been lacking. Um, and so that's different for every person, but mm-hmm. connection. And then on the other side of that creativity, I love to make stuff. My brain's always creating, you know, creating, creating a company, creating a product, creating new things within the company, creating new roles, creating new ways of doing work. Um, I also am going back to school to get an MFA in Paris because I was traveling in Europe this summer and realized I want an MFA in creative writing and I can totally do that while having a company. Um, And so through a little bit of research, you find out that there's a program through NYU that's in Paris and you only have to be there two weeks a year. Great. Like for me, it's that generative creativity sustains me as long as it's in connection with people. I don't really wanna be a recluse, even though sometimes I think I do, I don't really wanna be a recluse in the forest creating in like my you know, mad artist layer. And I don't only wanna be out in the world in connection with people, it's about the balance between the two um, Mm -hmm.
0: and sustaining both. Wow, wow, I love that. And I really appreciate this conversation we had. where can everyone find you and Ken Show, and you know, learn more about your mission and, um, you know, kind of the journey you guys are going to be on? You can find us at
1: K-E-N-S-H-O, health, H-E-A-L-T-H.com and on Instagram at Kensho Health. Um, we're also on Facebook, of course, but I would say find us on LinkedIn, um, find us on Instagram. Our team's there; they're happy to answer questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, as
0: are we on the company website? Amazing. And I will link all of that in the show notes. Thank you again, Krista, for being on and sharing your wisdom. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Thank you so much, Emily. So did I. And that was all for today's episode with Krista Berlincourt, co founder and CEO of Kensho Health. I hope you all enjoyed this conversation and had a takeaway or a few from this. And if you did, as always, I really appreciate it when you guys share this episode on your Instagram stories and tag both myself and the guests so we can see that you have been enjoying it. And then, of course, we can reshare to our stories as well, to give back some love. But yeah, I really enjoyed this conversation, truly. Um, Not only because of the topic, again, I'm very passionate about holistic wellness and holistic care, um, but I really feel like Krista touched on a lot of similar mentalities that I already have personally, and I think that many of you who listen to the show kind of embody as well. And um, she definitely kind of gave me a older sister vibe if you will you know like someone that really listens to you and gives her honest thoughts and feedback um, from her own personal experience right so I think it's always really encouraging to learn from those that have been in similar positions as us and even as you guys heard at the end even with dating and that kind of personal life stuff um, yeah I think a lot of it is really relatable so I hope you all had a takeaway from that and before you head out, be sure to check out all the merch available at you.com, especially the card game, which is now no longer on pre-order. It's actually completely available uh, for immediate shipment, aka that means you can prep for Friendsgiving, which I know this is going to be a very fun game and conversation starter to play during holiday festivities and, you know, with all the wine and light drinking that uh, some of us do so definitely grab one while you can and actually fun fact pinterest featured what well fulfills you on their homepage page uh, last week for thanksgiving conversation starters so definitely check it out and if you are based in new york city you can actually buy the card game in stores at showfields which is located at the noho location starting on monday november 15th so definitely grab it while you can and prep for the fun friendsgiving festivities and that is all you guys thanks again for tuning in i will check with you all next time